What do you believe in then? Well, I believe in the soul. The cock, the pussy, the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, that the novels of Susan Sontag are self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Good night. Oh, my. You guys, you lollygag the ball around the infield. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. What's our record, Larry? Eight and 16. Eight and 16. How'd we ever win eight? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it? Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode 19, Bull Durham. So, it's baseball season, <laughs> ramping up. Thought this would be a good pick for us. Yep. <laughs> Just, you know, correlating with uh, what's going on in the world. I see you're recovering nicely from your week of steering the ship. <laughs> Yeah. Already d- dropping in with those dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you can follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. <laughs> How's that Twitter following looking? It's really blowing up. Yeah, yeah, right. it's really looking good. <laughs> um, you can uh, find us on iTunes. All you really have to do now is like search Greatest Moments on that iTunes app, and we'll basically come up, and then you can subscribe. You can also get on our GoFundMe. (laughs) Start asking for money. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was only a matter of time. Well, yeah. But yeah, everything else remains the same. Podbean, etc. I guess that'll probably do it for the The, show this this week. This segment of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so, baseball movies. What are your thoughts? I like Angels in the Outfield. But not Bull Durham. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I think it was time for us to uh, jump back into the 80s. Yeah. We haven't ventured out of the 90s and 2000s all that much. Well, who can blame us? <laughs> That's true. With this particular baseball movie, there's like a lot to think about, I guess. But the first thing is the aesthetics of it. Um, 
I just love how like everything in this movie looks shitty. <laughs> like I know that's great. And and I don't mean the film itself. I just mean like the world in which this film takes place. Yeah. Like the buildings look <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like the ballpark is crappy. Yeah. The baseballs are crappy. Like everything kind of is a little dirty and beat up and very aged. Like a lot of you blight. Know. Yeah, because I mean now in like the in 2016 probably like. You know, most of the buildings in this uh, movie have probably been torn down and rebuilt and everything <laughs> looks shiny and new and I don't know, it's kind of like this lost uh, part of America. I'm not speaking from really any experience. A Walmart came in and put all these small businesses right out. Yeah, I mean, you know, they paved paradise to put up a parking lot, <laughs> <laughs> that whole deal. Yeah. and But you know what... You know what hasn't changed, though? Susan Sarandon, she still looks basically the same <laughs> as she did in this movie, which yeah. is now, like, what, 25 years old, 30 years old? What movie, or what year did this come out? 88, so we're getting close oh, okay. to the 30th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> we should have saved this episode for then. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, some of the stuff in the movie is definitely dated, like... uh the big top pitching prospect. <laughs> they have $100,000 tied up in them. It's like, wow. Uh, maybe add on a couple zeros yeah, there. Yeah, salaries in baseball have changed a little bit. And, you know, this this film definitely plays fast and loose with the whole, like, single A, double A, triple A to the pros kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair, you don't necessarily have to stop at every stop along the way before you get to the pros. I mean, it's never it's not like it's never happened before that a guy would get called up from high A ball to the majors, but it's pretty rare. Well, especially a guy who doesn't seem that good. <laughs> yeah, it seems like he's definitely <laughs> I mean, still a work in progress. Yeah, I, I mean, he can throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, but he throws it well over the batter into the crowd. Yeah, and at best you could say he has like two pitches. Yeah. Which for a starter seems like not enough. <laughs> but I mean, you know, whatever. Um Crash Davis played by uh Kevin Costner, he he gets a big demotion basically towards the beginning of the film. Uh he was playing in AAA somewhere and uh his contract was bought out and he's now with the high A Durham Bulls, who I think in real life are now a triple A team. But, uh, you know, they have a special project in mind for him. I guess, like. Do you think that that happens <laughs> where they have, like, a catcher? Yeah. Specifically mentor a pitcher? Yeah, I, I'm sure it happens, uh, especially back then. You know, that might not be as common of a thing now. What I was going to say, though, was, like, I guess Crash Davis has some kind of, like, a reputation. As someone who, who won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just mean, like, they obviously yeah. picked this guy out, you know, not randomly. Like, they knew he was a longtime minor leaguer who had been around the block, you know, a bunch of times. Had his brief stint in the show as, you know, he yeah, well, shares like with the other members of the team on the bus. 20-something days or something. 21 days. Yeah. The greatest 21 days of my life. Yeah, yeah. You, you could like kind of draw some comparisons to that little story to like the uh, Moonlight Graham part in uh, Field of Dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kind of like that brief moment in the sun kind of thing. And, you know, that's part of like the allure of baseball, which I remember, you know, now that I'm in my 30s, like... Oof. <laughs> 
Really breaking the fourth wall there. <laughs> Big time admission. <laughs> no, it's like, you know, you live long enough to see things change. And, like, it may have been partially because I was, like, a kid, but this I feel like... sounds like a Crash Davis level <laughs> type pontificating. <laughs> I feel like uh, baseball's place in American culture is, like, so dimin- diminished just from, like, what oh, it was yeah. in, like, 88. Like, not even just, like, how popular it is because, you know, MLB would point to, like, yeah, they break their own attendance record every year and blah, 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 and the ratings for games and whatever. But, like, just how it's viewed and, like, the mystique and aura. Like, a movie like Bull Durham really plays up on that, um... You know, it kind of dabbles a little bit in the, like, baseball as religion. And there's a lot of religious iconography in Annie's house. You know, Annie played by Susan Sarandon. We didn't really introduce the characters that well yet, but... We'll get to it. You know, like... And we can talk about that later, (laughs) as you like to say, anytime I bring something up. (laughs) All right, these are things that we need to work on when the microphones are not on. (laughs) All right. Yeah, but I just mean like it's almost like baseball is some kind of like sacred thing. It's place in society and like in this movie in particular because it's like we're talking about a high A minor league team, right. which is pretty low on the yeah. rung. Not a lot of the guys on that team even look like kids. So it's like there's probably not a whole lot of hope even invested in a lot of these players. And yet their attendance still seems pretty good. It is strange how deep baseball like developmentally goes. Yeah. Do they need that many players to to hold on to contracts? Yeah, because there's triple A, double A, and then multiple A. There's like high A, low A. And then there's one even beneath that now, I think, too. Um a lot of, but most of those guys aren't signed to like major league contracts. Right, they're just guys to fill out rosters and yeah. You know, sometimes like you a Crash do- Davis, obviously, whatever team he's being owned by at that particular moment isn't like thinking, yeah, we're gonna have this guy as our catcher at some point. Right, like he's just a guy who's in the system, and like also on the team is probably like the English teacher from the high school, <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, depending how low you go, I mean, a lot of those guys probably would have to have, like, other jobs, um, other sources of income. Well, yeah, I would think. But uh, Although, I mean, rent seems like it's probably pretty affordable in this town. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Annie has, like, a pretty nice house, and she says she works part-time as, like, a professor at, like, a community college or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also works part-time banging a player from the team each year. <laughs> yeah, um... This this movie like definitely uh, I don't want to say like glorifies but like definitely shines a light on like kind of the groupie aspect of professional sports even at this low level you know in the form of Annie who is like the main female lead and you know yeah. the love interest of both uh, Tim Robbins and Kevin Costner although they definitely play on her. Uh and I think like this is the point of like the Lily character because she Millie Millie yeah, <laughs> Oof. oh boy fatal error, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um because she I mean Susan Sarandon is definitely like like this independent woman and like then there's the other version of like the groupie Millie who is just like 
banging on the first day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Millie is a bit of a tart. Uh, we get introduced to her banging uh, Nuke before his nickname is Nuke. Yeah. Uh, in the uh, locker room, but right before one of his starts. Which you don't do. All right, so before we go any further, I guess we should just be like, all right, so uh, Susan Sarandon is Annie. She's like a lifelong fan of the Durham Bulls. She sleeps with one player a season, and that player has the best year of their career, supposedly. Then her little protege is Millie, who's, you know, really hot. And she <laughs> she seems like she... It's kind of briefly referenced that she must have, like, rich parents who have paid for a lot of things and including the scoreboard for the team and so she kind of has free run of the place <laughs> and then there's kevin costner who is playing crash davis the career minor leaguer uh grizzled vet who has arrived in durham to be the mentor to a hot young pitching prospect played by tim robbins who goes by the nickname nuke lelouch <laughs> And that's pretty much your cast. So the movie kind of follows like uh, a season or most of a season for the Bulls. Um, kind of like the learning curve for Nuke. Uh, kind of taking life lessons from Crash and Annie. and Because Crash is kind of unwilling to play Annie's games, uh, Nuke ends up being like her you know, boyfriend for the summer kind of thing. Yes, yeah, so they're all out like whatever the first night that they're all kind of together and annie invites both of them back to her house at which point kevin costner checks himself out of the competition in a matt crosby-esque move (laughs) (laughs) totally (laughs) yeah um you know at first it seemed like maybe like a gangbang situation but no she's just gonna pick one and by eliminating himself he kind of concedes to nuke who is you know young and immature and wild and you know she can kind of uh control because she's portrayed as kind of like the older woman i don't know how old she would have been in 88 but (laughs) i'm thinking she was like already in her like early to mid 30s which when you think about it nuke would be like at the oldest like 22 if he came out of college if he played all four years in college but they don't portray him as like a college type guy. No. So I'm thinking like he might, he might, if you're thinking like realistically in baseball terms, he might be supposed to be like 18, 19, 20, 21 at the oldest. I, I guess like he's in a bar, so, but I don't know what the drinking age in North Carolina would have been in 88. But like, <laughs> he definitely doesn't, when you think about like the reality of it, I mean, he, at, he might be like 21 or 22, and she's supposed to be like about probably. At least 10 years older than him, it's I would hard, think. hard for me to ever really think of, like, Tim Robbins as 22. <laughs> he just looks old. <laughs> I mean, he kind of looks like his character from Mystic River <laughs> in this movie. Well, I guess it's appropriate then that he got married to Susan Sarandon in real life because she also kind of yeah. has just looked the same her entire right. career. Yeah. So I remember watching, like, Atlantic City or some movie that she was in, like, probably in her 20s, and she basically looked like she looks now so something to be said for that i guess (laughs) so yeah crash davis is like supposed to be the wise like you know older presence um you know who were supposed to like listen to his little diatribes and think like wow 
this guy's really, you know, his famous speech about, like, believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. Oh, yeah. I would, oh, I would ban the DH and AstroTurf. Soft, wet kisses oh. that go on for three days. Yeah, it's just, like, it is kind of, like, cringeworthy. He's like, I believe in cock, pussy. <laughs> like, <what's, laughs> I'm, like, so poetic. Yeah, he does, like, I mean, I get that, like, he kind of embraces his role, you know? Yeah. To take, uh, to kind of give some tough love to Nuke and, and, and kind of teach him the ways. But, like, and, you know, when he's being an asshole, it's kind of like, well, he's supposed to be. But, like, yeah, he's he does sometimes just come across as, like, so annoying. You're just like, shut up. Right. Well, plus he's, like, walking this line of, like, cynicism, but then it's really, like his disgruntled it feels like he's kind of like sometimes being an ass to just teach a lesson but then it's like well i don't know maybe <laughs> it's just kind of like a, an ass yeah and i mean that could be part of uh why the organization thought that he would be the right guy yeah i don't know they knew like his kind of personality might work with uh kind of Helping Nuke along. Well, like, the big thing with his character really is the fact that he's got this... He's close to breaking the minor league record for home runs or whatever, which, you know, he points out isn't really, like, a good thing. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's a milestone, but it just means that, like, you spent your whole career yeah, never like making a, it. It's a dubious honor. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, he after uh, Nuke is called up to the show and the Bulls release him, which is kind of just like a cold move like just with not that much left in the season just to be like hey get out yeah (laughs) he catches on with another team and and ends up breaking the record and no one it goes unnoticed which obviously would never happen today yeah and probably would not have happened in 88 i think somebody would have known baseball stat people are complete you know nerds about it i'm sure someone was paying attention yeah but uh yeah i mean it's a baseball movie, but there's a and there's a lot of you know sports sequences, you know baseball action in the movie. But it's definitely you know got a lot of a lot of other stuff going on uh, about relationships and whatnot. And I don't know. What do you think of uh, the nuke Annie dynamic as it plays out? You know over the season. It's odd, I mean, because you basically do get the the sense, and I mean, it becomes more clear as the movie goes on, that she is, like, obviously way more intrigued by Crash, but... But she's sticking to her dumb rule that she made up of, like, she has one player 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 of the season and sticks with the same player. Right. I don't really understand her (laughs) lessons when she reads poetry to Nuke all night, and that's, like, part of it, and then she has nuke uh play catch with millie yeah i mean there is definitely like a whole like element to her character that's like Like, why is she really doing this though (laughs) i don't know she obviously doesn't really seem to have any like emotion invested in him but she is carrying on with these stupid uh i don't know skill (laughs) tests for nuke that are seemingly inconsequential yeah i mean you might wonder if it's just like a big show that she's putting on for crash really to try to drive him wild yeah well they're constantly when each has their own scenes with nuke they seem to be 
asking what the other person has said about whatever given thing. Yeah. <laughs> there is part of me that's just like, she seems kind of like a weathered old whore. And it's like <laughs> weird that like the two of them are like fighting over her so much. Especially considering like, there are a couple of cracks at Millie's expense from some of the players throughout the movie because she's such a big whore. <laughs> but it's like, wouldn't Annie basically have a similar reputation at this point, considering her age? Because it's like, it seems like she's been doing this for a long time. I think yeah, people would strange. know. And so it's like, why are these two dudes just like going crazy? Because it's like. She owns it though. She manages to do it in a classy way, <laughs> I guess is the point. <laughs> yeah, but like. I'm not gonna lie, like Millie is hot AF, and I Good just Lord, I just don't understand like the the fascination with Annie. It's just like yeah, she's like this mature, smart lady, but it's just like Annie or Millie is just like oof. Well, and that one you know, dude, yeah, you know, locks re- it right up. The religious guy, yeah. The uh, it's like a funny little side plot of like the ultra religious conservative guy who's like trying to like preach to the other players and pray and stuff like he is the one that ends up marrying millie yeah (laughs) (laughs) i do think uh i mean for me there's like two iconic scenes from this movie that pertain to baseball one being uh, the shower scene where the manager throws the yeah, bat. Yeah, you would love the shower scene. Yeah, well. <laughs> but the other one being the uh, the meeting at the pitcher's mound when they're talking about getting wedding presents for <laughs> Millie. I love, I I don't know the actor's name, but I know him as uh, Arliss from the HBO original series, Arliss. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, whatever, assistant coach, when he does that, like, trot out to the mound <laughs> hands in his pockets (laughs) then he's just like uh candles make good wedding presents uh all right let's get two here (laughs) yeah he's uh larry yeah (laughs) he's like kind of the uh assistant manager he's like one of the funnier aspects of the movie just like in like yelling stuff like (laughs) (laughs) doing the baseball (laughs) and uh constantly like chewing bubble gum or something (laughs) yeah um so yeah i mean yeah i mean this movie is great because it finds like the humor within like baseball situations like the manager yelling at the players in the shower and then like the meeting on the mound and you know the weird superstitions that players have um you know with like nuke wearing like the garter belts (laughs) that henny gives them or like the voodoo on the bat or stuff you know stuff like that like nuke talking to himself on the mound those those scenes are great (laughs) yeah i mean uh he definitely um was tipping all of his pitches anyway i don't really (laughs) think he needed crash to like tell the players on this couple of instances um (laughs) and i mean yeah he only really had like two anyway (laughs) yeah so eventually uh everything that the club asks of Crash seems to uh, pay off, um, at least for September call-ups, which is something in baseball, you know, when the major league roster can expand by X number of players, so they call up a lot of minor leaguers and give them, you know, a little look. Um, But it's like, how weak is their triple and double-A pitchers if they're bringing up this dude? They just don't really make him that believable as, like, a great prospect. 
Well, maybe during that winning streak, you know. Yeah, that's true. He was striking out. I mean, he had yeah. a lot of strikeouts, which is always going to, yeah. you know, entice. That's going to can open some eyes. You know, they'll just give him probably some long relief stints. Like, I don't think there was any guarantee he was going to be in the rotation right, up right. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like whenever uh, he finally gets to the majors and he's, like, being interviewed by that woman and he's wearing, like, a sports jacket with like a what is it like a metallica shirt or like iron Maiden? <laughs> oh yeah shirt i think it's iron maiden yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's just saying like all those stupid like uh the cliches cliches that crash taught him and then or yeah and then he's just like asking her about her name like <laughs> rianne or whatever <laughs> it's so stupid <laughs> um i don't know like i definitely think that the baseball movie is kind of like its own subgenre um probably not to the level of um boxing movies because the amount of boxing movies is so disproportionate to this country's actual interest in boxing <laughs> yeah. it's like insane yeah like you're pretty much guaranteed to get at least one as many as like two or three boxing movies a year it seems like <laughs> and like no one actually cares about professional boxing that much anymore well yeah and plus like in boxing movies when they show fights, it, I, if real boxing was like the movies, people would be more interested because it's just like guys like throwing haymakers at each other, like <laughs> not yeah. defending themselves. Yeah, we'd have a lot more, you know, CTE issues than <laughs> yeah. we already do. Um, yeah, I mean, baseball movies definitely for a time probably were like its own thing too. Um, I think that's kind of like trailed off there's not as many yeah i was thinking like if like this movie came out now it almost feels like it wouldn't even make sense like people would be like this isn't how people view baseball or like yeah i mean uh everything's changed so much i think since this movie came out i mean they even talk about like the differences between like playing in the majors and playing in the minor leagues and you know they reference things like uh in the majors they play with like you know brand new balls and stuff it's like i'm pretty sure at every level now of yes even semi-professional baseball they're using like white brand new balls even for batting practice you know the travel and the hotels are probably a lot better than they were in 88 the money invested in a lot of these players is a lot more you know even like nuke is left in a lot of games even whenever it's not going super well and it's like you know, uh, a highly valued uh, pitching prospect would be on, like, a strict, like, <laughs> pitch count. You know, just a lot of things have, like, changed. And kind of the that allure that I spoke about earlier with of baseball and its place in society is definitely diminished. So I don't think people would care as much about. <laughs> yeah, you talked about this a little bit when we were watching it. Um, we didn't really get into it too much. But just, I am, like, intrigued by the idea of someone who lives in one of these towns of and it doesn't even have to be baseball but like whatever like echl ahl like just someone who lives in one of these towns and has season tickets to the minor league team games and they know every player and like for the baseball they're filling out their fucking whatever it's called like the score yeah the scorecards like yeah i mean it is it's it's definitely like a a weird thing because i mean i've always kind of grown up in like yeah. Well, I mean, I've pretty much spent most of my life here at Pittsburgh, which is a big enough place to have professional teams. But, like, 
you know, smaller cities and towns and stuff that aren't big enough and aren't super close to like a major city with professional teams. It's like that idea of like really getting invested in minor league stuff. Cause it's like, you know that like if anybody on the team is actually like good and like good enough, they're going to move up the ranks, you know, to whatever the next level is. And it's just like, I don't know. It's a weird relationship, but like they definitely, cause I remember just like, um, when the penguins were terrible and you know, there was a lot more, uh, focus on like Wilkesbury just because you know people wanted the future. To, yeah, people wanted to know about the prospects and stuff. They would reference things going on in Wilkesbury a lot more, and you know they would have like bobblehead nights for like <laughs> guys that had come up to the NHL and were like pretty mediocre. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but they were celebrated as like heroes and stuff in like the AHL level. It's just like it's a strange thing. Yeah, it is weird. I don't know, though. It kind of makes me feel good to think about someone who is just a fan of a team at that level and, like, goes to all the games. Well, that truly is, you know, cheering for the logo, cheering for the the laundry, as they say. Just the jersey, (laughs) not the name on the back. Yeah, I just think it would be frustrating, um, you know, knowing that the really good players are not going to be there. They could get called up at a crucial time. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, especially like the AHL. It's like, oh, we have our rivals are in town for a three game series, like whatever the rivals of the Durham Bulls are, and it's <laughs> like, oh, but yeah, our best player just got called up. Yeah. And so we don't have him now, and it's just like, oh, that would be so weird. I don't know. Like, it's probably not like a great comparison, but I would like compare it maybe to like being a fan of like MLS, <laughs> <laughs> where you know like. All the best players aren't really in this league. Right. Which is different from like MLB and NHL and NFL and NBA where basically all of the best players are, are in the league. And so you know that you're watching like the top, you know, the top of the world, like the best of the best. Right. And, and it's just like, I don't know, minor league stuff is kind of strange. But I mean, I can't, I don't want to like dismiss it just outright because it's like you don't know what that, I don't really know what that experience is like. I mean, it could be, it's just like a totally different viewpoint, I think. Like it's just something that like I can't really relate to because I don't, haven't experienced it. I think growing up in it would probably make it easier. Yeah. But especially back in like 88. Right. I mean, you know, a lot of our, podcasts talk about like you know the advent of the internet and yeah everyone stuff, could live but... in like a smaller world back then yeah it's like um now like if you like lived in atlanta and then you moved to durham like you could still just be a braves fan right they didn't have well probably back in 88 the braves games were national but because of tbs but <laughs> you know <laughs> what i mean like if you moved somewhere now it's like you could just follow your hometown team still it doesn't i mean you can get the games through some kind of cable package like you know all of the major sports leagues have like special packages and there's the internet you can keep up to date on everything and you can even get podcasts of the radio shows and whatever i mean you can stay as connected to any team you want whereas like in 88 i think you were pretty much limited to newspaper box scores and television highlights on Uh, whatever crappy channel you had because a lot of people didn't even have espn yet it's just like who knows? I mean, I, I don't really yeah. I don't really know if minor league baseball is still like well attended or Yeah, I don't know. 
I guess probably it varies. <laughs> God, this podcast is so boring. <laughs> um, so anything else to say about Bull Durham that we haven't covered yet? I feel like there's probably more to say about the crash, Davis. I mean, they... Okay. How over the top is that love scene that just goes on? <laughs> I mean, that whole... Like, once it gets to that act of the movie, it seems like so... Yeah. Disjointed and out of place. It's strange. It's like, kind of a strange ending to the film. Like... Uh, Nuke gets called up and Crash gets released by the Bulls and so you're thinking this is the end of the movie basically and then there's another like 15 minutes maybe even 20 and it's just yeah. like this whole added on part that just seems like very slow like the pacing seems off and like it's kind of like a little montage of Crash going to play for uh, <laughs> the tourists I forget what city it was but it was something tourists and hitting you know his uh record-breaking home run and everything and uh you see like the clip of nuke talking to the reporter in the majors and annie going to a game in the rain and the game gets rained out and he ends up well i guess like the love scene even happens like before that because that's that's the comeback at the very end but it's like yeah i mean he finally like has his chance now with Annie. Which, like, he acted, like, so nonchalant about everything, but then he's just, like, so over-the-top elated to, like, be, you know, spending this time with her, it seems. Yeah, I mean, it's like... Those long, wet kisses. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the definition of one of those just, like, ridiculous 80s sex scenes that, like, seemingly lots of movies in the 80s would have, but, like, this yeah. one just goes on forever, and it's like... The music is, like, way different than it was at any other point in the movie. (laughs) Very, like, slow jazz. Like, they have sex, like, the first time, and then, like, again, like, on the kitchen table, like, knocking over everything, including, like, a full carton of milk (laughs) that just spills everywhere. Yeah, it's like, this is gross. (laughs) And then, like, in the bathtub with, like, you know, hundreds of lit candles oh, yeah. and just water sloshing all over the place. Rotting the wood of the floor <laughs> in the bathroom. And it's unclear, like, really how long that goes on for. And then, like, abruptly he, like, wakes up early and He's leaves like, what note. am I doing? <laughs> He's just like, wow, her vagina is so much looser than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, I mean, he seemingly has no issues with kind of being in the... An Alicia Cuthbert type situation. <laughs> <laughs> We're cutting that, but no, I mean we don't have to. Sloppy suck. It's yeah. the whole deal. It's kind of like this payoff, but then it's like you think, okay, so the movie's ending with a sex scene, which is kind of a weird way to do it. But usually, if a movie ends with two people getting together, we don't actually see the sex scene, so it's kind of just an interesting thing. But then it continues to go on because he leaves a note and then <laughs> yeah. leaves and. You know, we get some... Leaves a note. That's a move you could get away with, too, back then. Like, you're not going to get any angry text messages. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, <laughs> there was no way... That was, like... God, it was such a weird thing when you think about it. Like, weird, he, he drives thing. out of town, and she literally has no way of contacting him. Right. At all. <laughs> no phone numbers, no addresses, no cell phone, no internet of with facebook or twitter like nothing there's zero way for her to like figure out where he's going or what he's doing unless he says in the note i mean we didn't really get the whole note or anything but yeah i mean then you know they they draw it out even longer just so that he can come back again (laughs) 
you know, and then the movie ends with him like being on her front porch or whatever. Yeah. And, or no, and then they like they randomly start dancing again, which is yeah, a lot of dancing in this movie. Horrifying. It was the eighties. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean Paula Abdul got a special <laughs> thanks at the end, which is not a joke. Oh, I guess I wanted to bring up the part too where I mean it's kind of weird because Crash checks himself out of this uh competition to see who's gonna land annie or whatever but it is weird because he's like this mentor friend to nuke but there's definitely still some sort of sexual tension going on unspoken between him and annie but then there's a part where nuke and annie are you know going at it and she calls him crash and he's off put by this but her explanation is just or her way of like making him feel better is just being like well isn't it better that i'm having sex with you and saying his name and he's just like eh. but i'm <laughs> like if i got that explanation i'd be like no this isn't cool still well i don't know if like i don't really i don't feel like nuke was really like in love with her or anything so well he yeah but he's off put like, by what's happening here i yeah, I mean, it's a little weird, but... Yeah, I mean, Nuke is, like, kind of just an idiot, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, like, the big point of contention between him and Crash, besides Annie, is the fact that uh, Nuke was born with this talent, and Crash doesn't have it. And even though he's, like, smarter, he knows more about baseball, he knows more about what to do in every situation, he's just not... He doesn't have that same talent that nuke just has even though he's kind of like a moron yeah and that really bothers him and i think like yeah i mean i think he's playing a part you know he's being an asshole because that's like the part that he needs to play to uh get nuke to the next level but at the same time i think there really there is like real resentment and yeah, anger yeah. about it and the annie situation obviously it doesn't help Right. <laughs> I also like that the manager of the Bulls is like aware. The manager and the assistant manager are just like aware of like Millie and Annie and like what their shenanigans and like what they do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The whole like once the team is like talking about Nuke, like breathing out of the wrong eyelid. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like Annie is kind of respected a little bit. Yeah. They don't, has they a don't lot mock of it. Baseball knowledge and i guess she has helped players before and given useful tips for different things <laughs> i'd like to hear what those tips are well she there were you know she was passing those notes yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that uh crash just writes let's fuck sometime <laughs> on that note and then hands it to a child such to a give gentleman back. and then like annie yeah don't Mi read that he said <laughs> millie's just like crash says he wants to make love to you <laughs> or something <laughs> Millie, that sweet, precious, beautiful angel. angel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Crash is like one redeeming moment is whenever uh, one of the in the meeting on the mound, one of the players cracks a joke about Millie like sleeping with the whole Carolina League, and Crash is just like, if anyone says anything bad about Millie, I'll break their neck. <laughs> that part was so great. Yeah. Because if Crash is the Christ figure in this religious <laughs> <laughs> narrative, then Millie really is like the Mary Magdalene, <laughs> like, like yeah. the whore. I don't really know what that makes Annie then. <laughs> also, a whore. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay, it kind of falls apart a little bit. But I, I was thinking because a lot of the religious stuff in Annie's 
uh, house and like how she talks at the beginning. I thought maybe there was something more there, but it kind of. Yeah, I mean, if Crash was like, I mean, Christ would have to be like pretty full of himself, just like walking around, teaching people lessons, but like being an asshole about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you'd be making like some speech that like the one Crash made. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like how he's like in those things that he he believes in or whatever. He lists like softcore pornography, <laughs> which is like literally the worst thing ever. Well, again, pre-internet. That's true. He didn't know that some of the things <laughs> were going to be possible. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean, I just li- I like to watch this movie, you know, once a year if I can, which is different because I mean, I I really like Major League, the first one, and yeah. I, and I like Field of Dreams. Um, you know, thing a lot of a lot of other baseball movies are good too. It's just like for whatever reason, this one though, it's. F- <laughs> Even though in 2016 it's probably like one of the more unrealistic portrayals, it still feels very real in a lot of ways compared yeah. to like because like if you have any knowledge of like the 80s and what baseball was like in the 80s, and yeah, I mean this probably was relatively close. I mean, yeah, I mean if you want to nitpick, there's tons of things that are obviously weird and wrong, but there's just like a certain just the way that the people talk and stuff. It seems like kind of realistic and kind of gritty like if they remade this movie it'd probably be like pg-13 or oh, something yeah. and it would be terrible right <laughs> which is basically how i view like everything that might get remade <laughs> well yeah so like it'll be pg-13 and it will be terrible like point break it would be a, <laughs> a female softball team too probably <laughs> oh boy <laughs> all right so i guess that'll wrap it up I don't know. Any final thoughts? Nope. <laughs> oh, boy. Nope. <laughs> Jumping Jeff Farmer over here. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, follow the pod on Twitter. Not that, not that you really need to. The only thing I ever tweet yeah, what's out going on on the is Twitter a link account? to the episode. I was thinking, like, maybe I would start, like, tweeting, like, live commentaries on, like, things that i was watching and different pop culture related comments and stuff but i never did that maybe you could do like a movie of the day <laughs> that always lasts <laughs> and you know subscribe if you haven't if i mean if you're listening to this just subscribe just do it you, know, you can download them yeah you don't even need to listen to them <laughs> no i mean you should okay. subscribe and then not even listen to them if you don't like them <laughs> yeah but you could still send us an email yeah, have you, you can li- do that. Have too. you listed off the email in a while? Greatest moments at yahoo.com. All right. So we'll see you next time. <laughs> Folks, we are out of time. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>